Good morning. What's up, Freedom? All right. I'm glad you're here today. We're, uh, we're in the middle of a series we started last week uh, called Him. What we're talking about is we're talking about who God is. And, and not only who God is, but, but how we're supposed to live in reaction to that. Because, because it's all about God. Everything is about God. And so I want you to look. We're going to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis and, uh, and look at Genesis 1-1, the very first verse in the Bible. And, uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, look on the screen. But, but if you do have your Bibles, open to Genesis 1-1. And I'm going to read this first verse. What an appropriate way to begin the Bible, to begin the story about who God is, because it says this in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's what we're going to talk about today, but I want you to focus on those first four words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That's, that should ground us and get us focused in the direction we need to go, not only today for this message, but in life. Because it's all about Him. In the beginning, God. Before we were ever here, He was here. And so one of the, uh, one of the most eternal foundations of, of what we believe uh, as Christians is that everything flowed out of and came from God at the very beginning of the earth. And so today we're going to talk about God creates. God creates. Last week we talked about God is. Today we're going to talk about God creates. Now, if you've been in church at all, even if you haven't been in church, you're probably pretty familiar with what the basic teachings uh, of the Bible are about creation. It's found in the first two chapters of Genesis. The very first thing, if you open your Bible and say, I'm going to read this thing from cover to cover, the first things you're going to read about is how God created the earth. And what the, I'm just going to summarize what the Bible teaches about creation is that, first of all, it all came from God and, and that He spoke it into existence and, and that, that He, in a matter of six days, He created everything and, and fashioned the earth in exactly the way it needed to be for humans to live there. He, he put a sky in, He put oceans in, He put, put rivers and lakes in, He created animals, He created all the vegetation that, that we need, uh, he, he got the, the balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide and all that stuff perfect for the atmosphere. Everything He did, and, and, and it all came from Him. He also put stars in the sky and planets and other places and all of that that kind of stuff and and the thing about that story is when you read that story when you hear me summarizing it if you're a follower of Jesus and and, and, you, and you've grown up in church or grown up reading that chances are you hear that and there's no discomfort for you at all when you hear that story you think yeah exactly it, he did all that and he did it in six days on the seventh day rested that's exactly the way it happened but if you if you are outside of the church if, if you grew up outside of the church and you're new to Christianity or if, if you know folks now that are outside of church and, and, and they, they hear that story, I'm going to tell you something. People think that you're crazy when you believe that. And, and not only do they think that you're crazy, they think that you're ignorant. Uh, they, they, think that, you know, they think that you go home and you watch Dukes of Hazard all night long and, and have never read a book, or, and which I love Dukes of Hazard, by the way. But, but, uh, but if you're watching Dukes of Hazard and never reading, you need to expand your horizons a little bit. But... But that's what they think about people who believe... Oh, you believe in a literal creation and you believe that one God did that? They think you're pretty stupid when you believe that. And so you need to understand that, that what we're talking about today to folks who, who, who don't accept Christ and, and who, who've not had their thinking regenerated or whatever it might be, that, that they look at that and they say, that's just nuts. 
But I want to teach you today what Scripture talks about about creation. And I want to let you know up front that, yeah, it takes faith to believe what the Scripture teaches about creation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we can't see it all. We can't know all the details, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you're also going to see as we go along that what folks who don't believe in a literal creation, that God did it, that what they believe, it takes some faith to believe what they believe as well. And so there's an element of faith, but it will take faith for you to believe what the Bible teaches about creation. First thing you need to know is this, and we talked about this last week, but we're going to hit it again. First thing is God comes first. God comes first. In, in, when, in the story of creation, God came first. Uh, God came first in time. God came first uh, uh, before, before anything else was here. But also, that's just a good thing for us to remember as far as for your own life. God should come first in everything that you are and everything that you do. And that's kind of what this whole, uh, this whole time we're talking in March is about. But, but God was here before it all started. God is here now, and God is going to be here forever. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8, look on the screen while I read this. Now this is, if you've got your Bible and you look at this, and if you've got one of those red-letter Bibles, uh, you'll notice that these words are in red because this is Jesus speaking these words. And he says this, I am the Alpha and Omega. You know why he says Alpha and Omega? Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And back then, they were speaking and, and, uh, and writing in Greek. And what he's saying is, I'm the beginning. I'm the alpha. I was here before it started, and I'm the omega. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to decide when it all comes to an end. I'm the alpha and omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So before the creation of the world, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity that we talked about last week, they were there at the creation of the world. They were there before the world was created. The God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are here now. They're the who is uh, right now. And then God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will be there at the end. They are the who is to come. So who was, who is now, who is to come. God came first. Now, let me let, me let you know something that you probably already understand. That fact that we believe that God came first and that everything came from God is very different than what most people are taught in school and other things like that. And the, the prevailing, the prevailing uh, teaching that, that's, that's done in school is something that's called naturalism. Now, notice I didn't use the term science, but I used the term naturalism because there is no conflict between the Bible and science. Let me say that again. There's no conflict between Christianity, what Christianity teaches about creation, between the Bible and what Christianity teaches about creation. There's no conflict between that and science. But there is total conflict between what the Bible teaches and naturalism. Now, folks who believe in naturalism, they will tell you that that's one facet of science, it's one avenue of science. But those who have studied it, who are a lot smarter than me and, and some guys that I've I read to prepare for this message will tell you that, e that what goes on in naturalism is not really considered good science if you really get down to it. Because science, what, what science does, science continues to make discoveries that support what the Bible says about creation. Science has discovered things like the law of gravity. Well, you know who put the law of gravity in place? It was God so that we wouldn't go flying off the earth when it spins on its axis. By the way, science discovered 
discovered that the earth spins on its axis. Guess who came up with that idea? Once again, that was God's plan, that the earth would spin on its axis, that it would go around the sun and we would have seasons and, and, uh, and all of those kinds of things. And so there's no conflict between the Bible and science, but there is conflict between the Bible and naturalism. Now, when you read the, the scriptures, when you read the first two chapters of Genesis, you're going to notice something that, that maybe if you're, if you're really wanting to look at the Bible and say, I want to know every detail about how creation happened, when you read the first two chapters of Genesis, you're going to be a little disappointed because it doesn't tell you all the details. It doesn't tell you exactly how God balanced up the oxygen and the carbon dioxide. It doesn't tell you all of that kind of stuff. And the reason it doesn't is because that's not the point of the story. See, it's a story who has a point. I'll give you an example. Um, Donnie, who, uh, who is my right-hand man here and, and a co-pastor here at, at Freedom, Donnie has uh, sons, and, and Donnie likes to hunt and, and fish, and uh, Donnie takes his sons hunting, and Donnie's moved to the point in his life now where he rarely hunts on his own, but he's more excited when he takes his sons hunting, and they get to shoot something. And, uh, and so, so he'll, he'll do that, and, and, uh, and I don't have sons, and, and I don't hunt. And I go fishing with my dad, and I enjoy doing that, but, but I don't hunt, and I, and I don't have sons. And so when Donnie, when, when he'll take one of the boys hunting, and they'll kill a deer or a turkey, he'll come back and he'll say, hey, Paul got a turkey this weekend, or Seth shot a, Seth shot a deer, and, and I'll say, cool, tell me about it. And he'll tell me the story of what happened. Now, when he's telling that story, the point of the story is, is that one of his two boys shot something and killed it. That's the point of the story. And so that's where he goes with the story. He'll tell me about how we went out here and we saw this and I started calling this turkey and it came out and it blew up real big and Seth killed it, dropped it right where it was. You know, that's, that's pretty much the whole story. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't say, yeah, Seth got his uh, single bolt action rifle and we were using this type of ammo that I bought at this place and when I went there they were closed and I had to go back another day and... And then, I, then when we got out there to the place, we had to clear off a spot because it was fall and there was leaves on the ground, you know, or whatever. And, and uh, then, then I got out my turkey call, and it wasn't a um, one you put in your mouth. It was a slate call that you scratch, and I ordered that online at Bass Pro Shop. He doesn't do all that stuff. You know why? Because that's not the point of the story. I don't need to know all. And, it, and if he started to do that stuff, I'd say, dude, just get to where something got shot. I don't really care about all that other stuff because the point of the story is is that one of his boys shot something and that's and that's where he's directing the story the point of the creation story isn't every detail of how it, how it got in place even though sometimes we read that and we want that that's not the focus of what God wants us to focus on what God wants us to know when we read the creation story is he did it that he's responsible for it, that it all came out of his mind and, and he did it with his hands and that, and that he spoke it into existence. And, and that's the point of the story is that understanding that God is the one in control and that this universe came from him. Now, I told you a while ago that naturalism and, uh, and Christianity are in total conflict. There is actually one thing that naturalism and Christianity agree on and that is that the universe has a beginning. Both naturalism and Christianity agree that the universe started at some point, that, that there was, there was, at one point there was no universe, and then, then it started. Now, we believe that, that the universe started when God said, I want there to be a universe, and he started to do that. Naturalism, they, they teach that the universe started with something that's, uh, that's called the, uh, the hypothesis of the primeval atom. Now, maybe you've never heard of that. 
you might know the street name, which is the Big Bang Theory. How many of you have heard of the Big Bang Theory? That's, a, that's what a naturalist would tell you, hey, this is how everything got started. See, naturalists believe that, that nothing made everything, that nothing made everything. And they also believe that, that out of chaos came order, that there was this chaotic stuff out there that had no, no, nothing, was under, you know, nothing was under control, and then all of a sudden something happened and everything was perfect, that all the planets were in orbit and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so they, they believed in the Big Bang Theory that, that everything, that all the ingredients of the universe were in one place, and then something happened to make it rapidly expand, and when that expansion was over, we had what we have today. And uh, as I thought about this, I thought of an experiment that we ought to do, and, and, and we didn't do it live and in person here because I was afraid it might set off a fire alarm, but we did it at the office and, and videotaped it. So uh, check this out, this experiment we did about the Big Bang Theory. According to the Big Bang Theory, which we just discussed a second ago, scientists believe that all of the ingredients for the universe were tightly packed together in one space. And it was a very hot dense location and everything that created the universe that we know today was located in that one area. Kind of like what I thought about the ingredients of a cake, which I just happened to have right here. So I thought what I could do is I could add the ingredients that you would use to make a delicious pound cake and put them into this space right here in this bucket and then, uh, and then we'll just kind of see what happens. So. First thing you need to make a cake, or one of the things is you need some milk. So we'll we'll add some milk to this uh, to this space right here, and um, then you need a flour if you're going to make a cake. Now I'm not measuring obviously because this is just for experimental purposes only, and uh, then you'll add this this flour in here. Probably I guess that might be about two cups worth that I just dumped in. Uh, then you need sugar. Now, obviously, you need a lot more sugar than this, but uh, I just am using sugar packets because that's what we happen to have around the office this morning. So uh, there's some sugar. Well, I accidentally dropped some paper in there, but that'll be okay, too. So we'll add some sugar packets in here, and so uh, this cake will be not really, really sweet, but it'll be kind of okay. Then you need cream cheese for a delicious cream cheese pound cake. So this is eight ounces of cream cheese. We're going to put that in there. This is going to be delicious when we're done. Uh, we need a couple of sticks of margarine or butter. So I'll add one stick there. Then we'll add another stick right here. And then, of course, we need eggs. So I'm going to show you that I can crack an egg. There we go. There's one egg. There's another egg. Now, I think real cake calls for about six eggs. I'm just going to use three today for the purposes of this experiment. And so there we go. We've got some eggs. We've got some flour, some cream cheese, some sugar, some milk. These are the ingredients that you would need to make a delicious cake. Now, according to what the scientists say is once all the ingredients were in one place for the Big Bang Theory, something created this sudden expansion. And at the end of the sudden expansion, Everything was the way it is today. The, the planets were in orbit. The stars were in their right place. The earth was ready for habitation. And, but even the scientists cannot explain what caused the expansion or what the expansion was like. Some people believe that it was some type of explosion that caused everything to suddenly pull apart from one another. Some people argue against an explosion. But for our purposes, I thought what we could use to create some expansion would be a nice firecracker and so we're gonna throw this into this bucket and just kinda of see what happens.
Wow, I got a little bit of egg on my face there. Now, according to the Big Bang Theory, if, if the, the principles of the Big Bang Theory are correct, when we look in this bucket, we should have a cake that's ready to eat. So uh, we're going to look in here right now and, and see what we've got and see if there's a delicious cake that's ready for consumption by humans or even animals. It doesn't matter to me. But let's look in here and see if we've got what we need to eat a delicious cake. Now, uh, how many people would want to eat that right there? I, in fact, I did eat it with a spoon after. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't. But uh, now, I know that's silly, and you might be saying, oh, Cliff, that's such a silly deal. You know, you know that's not really what. But to me, and maybe just because I'm dumb enough to think this, but uh, it's no sillier to me than to believe that everything in the universe was packed into one little space, and, and nobody can explain how that got here. And then all of a sudden, something happened, which no one can explain how that happened. And when it got finished, there was a universe that everybody, that we could live in. And that, that there was a moon that perfectly went around the earth and has never run into the earth in the history of the earth. And there was Jupiter with all of its moons and they just perfectly circled around it. And there was a sun that gave us the right amount of heat. And there was uh, an atmosphere that kept the sun from setting the earth on fire. All of this stuff, that, that all of that just, just happened by chance when this big expansion or explosion of the universe took place. To me... Uh, that takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there was a loving, creative God who put everything into motion. I read a quote from a guy named uh, Fred Hoyle, who's an astronomer, and uh, he talked about uh, what naturalists believe that there was no God involved in creation. He said this, he said, the probability of life arising on earth without special divine aid is less than the probability that a flight-worthy Boeing 747 should be assembled by a hurricane blowing through a junkyard. Which I love that statement, because to me that's, all, that's almost as much a chance of that, where we have a hurricane and then it gets done, and oh, you got a car that you can drive in. That was awesome that that just happened to work out that way. And so when, when we look at the story in creation, there are some questions left unanswered. We don't know exactly how God did it all. We don't know, and even as, even as you read it, you might have some more questions. But the answer, uh, when you read that story, is not what the details were. The answer, are, the answer is, is that it came from God. And, and see, the idea that, that everything arose from nothing, to me, that leaves us with a very cold and impersonal universe. That leaves us with a universe where we just kind of hang out and we, we live here for 70 to 80 years and then life is done and, and we don't really know where we came from and we don't really know when we're going when it's over with. But what we believe, what the Scripture believes, and if you can be begin to accept what the Scripture believes by faith, is that God made this place, He sustains this place, and that should give us hope. It's, it's more than just existing. It's more than just hanging out here and, and trying to do a bunch of stuff just for our own purposes. But it's the fact that God is involved in your life and it's personal. And so that brings us to the second thing that I want you to know, which I think is the most important uh, thing I want you to know about creation, and that is this. Humans were made by Him and for Him. Humans were made by Him and for Him. If you've still got your Bibles open to Genesis 1, you started in 1-1, look all the way to, to verse 26. Genesis 1.26, and uh, I'm going to read you Genesis 1.26 and 27. Now, I told you a while ago that, that God made 
made, uh, you know, sky, oceans, mountains, animals, plants, all that stuff. After all of that stuff was made, the last thing God made uh, is, is what we're going to read about here. Verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. By the way, you notice the term our there instead of my image. Remember we talked last week about the Trinity, about how the Trinity was at creation. So God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes an hour. And he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the, the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I don't know what your situation is when you showed up in here today. Some of you might be riding high on top of the world. Everything's going your way. You might have come in here today and you're just feeling bad about yourself like you have nothing going on and nobody loves you and all that kind of stuff. So what I'm about to tell you ought to pick you up and boost you off the ground just a little bit, and that is this. You are the most amazing creation that God has ever made. All of us are as humans. The Scripture says that the last thing God created was also the best thing God ever created. That we are more amazing than anything else. And the reason why, look in verse 26. Look what it says here again. Let us make mankind in, say it with me, our image. And then say this with me, in our likeness. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. Let me tell you what that means. That means that we are greater than any ocean, than any mountain, than any animal, than any plant, than any planet, solar system, galaxy, star, anything out there. We are greater than that because we were made in the likeness and in the image of God. Uh, we were given, because of that, we, we've, got, we've got God's DNA that, that's built into, into our system. Uh, we have the ability for creativity. There's nothing else in the universe that has the ability to be creative like we do as humans. We have the ability to think freely. There's nothing else in the universe that has the ability to, to, to think freely. We have the ability to experience emotion. Uh, there's no mountain or tree that experiences emotion. When you cut a tree down, it doesn't get sad and cry and all of its you know, baby trees cry with it. We, we can experience emotion. We, we don't have to act on instinct or impulse. We get to choose what we want to do and not just do something out of instinct. I don't know how many of you have ever had a dog in heat before. I know you're like, where is he going with this? Um, one time Sherry and I took in a stray dog and, um, and, and it was in heat when we, when we got her. Or actually, she was pregnant when we got her. That was great. And then she had puppies, and we gave those away. And then before we could get her fixed, she went into heat. And I'd never had a dog in heat before. And, uh, and so we were trying to keep her locked up. And the reason we were trying to keep her locked up is because there were dogs, like, coming from Spartanburg County. And, I mean, <laughs> dogs, uh, dogs I've never seen before or seen since were coming and hanging out in our yard just sitting there like, hey, when are you going to let her out, man? And it, was, it blew my mind. And, and I thought to myself, that must be an unbelievable impulse or instinct that these dogs have, you know, I, gotta, I, I know she's in there, I've got to get some of that, right? And they were, they were in there. And, but as, as humans, we, God's created us where we don't have to act on instinct. We don't have to act on impulse. There's a certain time of the year we don't have to leave and go somewhere else. 
We can stay through the wintertime, even though it's ridiculously cold where some people live. They don't migrate. So, so God has created us different than everything else. He's created us with freedom of thought, with creativity, with emotion, and with the ability to make our own choices. And, and that's, what, that's, to me, that is the, the biggest argument against what naturalists teach. How is it that, that impersonal matter can create someone who can have their heart broken? How is it that, that matter that, that, uh, that has, experiences no emotion can create someone with the capacity to love? How is it that matter, that all of it is the same, create people with very distinct identities and personalities? That God has made you with pieces of His glory implanted into your minds, implanted into your heart, implanted into your personality. You were designed purposefully and intentionally by God. You are not the, the product of an accidental convergence of circumstances where things just happen to happen. Even those of you that are surprise babies, do we have any surprise babies here today? And if you're thinking, Cliff, I don't know if I'm a surprise baby or not. If you're the youngest child and your next oldest brother or sister is 10 years older than you and you were born nine months after your dad's birthday, you are a surprise <laughs> baby. Right? You know, I, I, knew, I knew a guy one time, um, Sharon and I went to college with a guy who was convinced that his parents had only, you know, been intimate with each other once when, or twice when him and his brother were born. And while we were in college, his mom got pregnant. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, surprise baby right there is what that, that was all about. But even if, you're, even if you're a surprise baby, even if your parents didn't plan your arrival, let me tell you who did plan your arrival. God did. He knew exactly when you were going to be here. We tried to plan our kids two years apart. We thought, I'd be cool, have sisters or brother or sister two years apart. So when Emily turned two, we said, we'll have, try to have another baby. Well, God's plan for us was to have one daughter who was uh, born and then six years later to have another daughter. And, it was, and it's worked out perfect for our family. It wasn't when we planned it, but it was when God planned it. You are not an accident. You were designed purposefully and intentionally by God, and you arrived on this earth at the moment that he wanted you here. And if that's the only thing you take out of this whole talk about creation, then that's what I want you to remember, is that God has a purpose for you. And he was involved in your creation. Did you know that, that when, when the six days of creation were over, that God didn't take his hands off the earth and he was done with it? Did you know that he was involved in your very creation inside of your mother? Look at Psalm 139, 13 and 14. It says this, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I think that's such a great picture of God knitting us together like an old lady making, a, making an afghan or whatever. But that, that God was hands-on in the creation of who you are while you were while you were inside of your mother. And then it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Laura Beth, who was just up here singing a while ago, um, she, I told you all a while back, she's singing for two now. She's expecting a baby. And uh, her and, and uh, Blake, uh, Blake is our youth pastor, um, they're, they're looking forward to this child uh, that's going to be here in August. And, and uh, this past week, they got to go 
to the doctor and do the ultrasound and, and uh, they got to see, you know, little tiny feet and little hands and, and that little baby was, uh, and, and they also saw some other important stuff to let you know that they're going to have a little girl and uh, so that was exciting. And, uh, and they got to see that, that, that she's in there, she's already sucking her thumb while, while she's in there and, and it was just such a, a great reminder to me and, and certainly a great reminder to them as new parents that God has put this baby together. That, that this is not just some accident that's happened, that this was God's plan for this baby's life. And even before she comes into the world, and even before Blake and Laura Beth are able to have a direct influence on her teaching her and, and helping her develop into the young lady she's going to be, God's already having an influence on her. God's already working on that baby while it's inside the safety of the womb right now. And I think that's what we need to understand is that God is personal God, God is a loving God, and He was hands-on in the creation of who you are. And He was hands-on in the fact that you arrived when you were supposed to arrive. And I think that's the key of what I want us to think about today. If you want to get really into the science of creation, go for it. I think that's a great, there are some people that are wired up that way, and I think you should study that all you want to. You can study the creation, you can get, you know, geologists and astronomers and, our, and uh, uh, all that kind of stuff together and try to figure out, okay, how does this, this match up with what the Bible says? And what you're going to find out is, is that everything that's been discovered, it still supports what creation, sa- what the Bible says about creation. And if you want to get into that, cool, get into that. But let me tell you something. While you're trying to find all those details, don't miss the key element, and that is this. God made you to have a relationship with Him. You were made by Him, and not only were you made by Him, but you were made for Him. And so, He created you not just so that He could show off, not just so that He could say, hey, look at all the different people I can make. Some of them are really good looking, and some of them are kind of ugly. See what I can do? I'm God, right? It's not... Not that, any, not that y'all would ever know anybody that was ugly. But, uh, but I know some of you do. You're like, hey, that's the dude I'm working with. That's who Cliff's talking about right there. But God didn't just do all that so that he could just show off and, and let us know how great of a God he is. But he did that because he wants you to have a relationship with him. And he designed you exactly the way he wanted you to be. And, and if you are living this life and you don't have a relationship with God, or if you're living this life and you think you might have kind of had a relationship with God, but you haven't done anything about it, you're not developing that relationship with God, you're not fulfilling your purpose on this earth. Your purpose is not to make money and become famous and try to get a lot of stuff done. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to have a relationship with the loving, caring God that created you with His own hands and to live for Him day after day after day, to know Him and to serve Him. I want us to pray, and before I pray, and then i got some information I want to give you after I'm done praying. While I'm praying, the band's going to come up. And, um, but before I pray, I want, you to, um, I want you to ask yourself and just think about your own life. And um, do you have a relationship with the Creator? I'm not asking if you have a relationship with this church. You can have a relationship with church. You can come here. You can serve every week. 
all that kind of stuff. You can listen to what I say. You can even come up to me after the service and say, Cliff, great job, man, that was moving. But that doesn't mean you have a relationship with the Creator. Has God done a work in your heart? Or is He trying to do a work in your heart and you just have to say, come on, I'm ready for it. So I want you to bow your heads. And if you would be honest today and say, I don't have a relationship with the Creator. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I believe that you are real and I want to know you. I've done lots of things that I shouldn't have done. And I ask you to forgive me of those sins. I don't deserve to be forgiven. But I know Jesus died on the cross so that I can be forgiven. Please come live in my heart and change who I am. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, or if you prayed it for the first time and you meant it for the first time today, uh, I want you to be sure and tell me after this service is over. Tell Donnie. Tell any of our greeters, the people with name tags on. Let them know that you prayed that prayer. Uh, because what, what's just happened is, is you've begun a relationship with the Creator who loves you very much. And, uh, and, and I want you to, uh, to, to know what your next steps ought to be about that. Now, um, now, here's the deal that I know about a message like today. There were some of you today who heard what I said, and you're going to go home and say, I don't know why Cliff wasted all that time on that creation talk. I don't care about naturalism or the Big Bang Theory and that stuff. There were others of you that said, yes, but Cliff didn't answer the question about Pangea and this, and, you know, and, and, you're, and so you're thinking that I haven't gone far enough. For those of you that want to do more study about this on your own, I've got a great book I'm going to mention to you. And you've got, you've got stuff to write with and something to write it on. And uh, we've we got the name on the screen up here. But uh, the name of the book is The Case for a Creator. And it's by a guy named Lee Strobel. If you were, if you were interested in, in what I talked about today at all, but it left some unanswered questions for you, this guy is much, much smarter than me. He's done tons of research. I used references out of this book for this message today. But it's, uh, there's, there's other ones out there too, but I think this is the best, most accessible kind of book for most of us to read. If you're interested in knowing more about creation and, and uh, how it fits with, um, with what scientists have discovered and how that fits with what the Scripture says, read this book, The Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. Really, really good stuff. Just wanted, wanted you to know about that. All right? Hey, uh, let's everybody stand up. Now, as we get ready to go... Um, just want you to know, next week, come back next week, Donnie's going to bring a message. Today we talked about how humans got to the earth. Donnie's going to begin the story to, uh, next week about how us as humans, how we messed everything up and we committed the first sin and God had to lay the smack down on us. And, uh, and so, so God's gonna, uh, Donnie's going to bring that message next week and, uh, and then the week after that, I really hope you'll come back and I hope you'll be inviting people to come next week 
and the week after, because uh, the week after that, then I'm going to get to come back and bring the good news about how after God judges us, also God gives us an opportunity to be saved. If you know people that you're trying to help them understand who God is, these next two weeks will be great opportunities for you to invite them to be here uh, so they can hear these messages. And, and, they can, and what, hopefully what will happen is that you've already been telling them about Jesus and then they'll come here for the next two weeks and we'll just be reaffirming what you're telling them and, uh, and we'll see God do some great stuff in their life. 